0: Baseline up. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Cavalli, coming at you for the moment without my co host, Andy Bailey. I am, however, super excited to be joined by the ringer's fully healthy Ellie O'Shaughnessy.
3: <laughs> What's up?
2: How are I know you? Doing? I no longer have
3: strep throat. <laughs> That
2: is fantastic. That means that much, much better. Um, We're glad to hear you're feeling better. I also have to say, I'm not. I'm like on Mountain Time right now, and I'm jealous of people like you who get to be on West Coast Time all year. Just of how early it is right now, and everything you could get done. So I am. This uh,
3: is a. You should really be saying that during the season because the games, even like the West Coast games, like they start at seven thirty. So the latest game is like over by ten. That's what you should be envious of.
2: Yeah, I was here for the 2017 like conference finals round into the NBA finals. So I was operating on like time back mountain time then and I I'm just loving it as opposed to being, you know, last game ends at 132 on the East Coast. It's so much earlier. So I'm still yeah. about
3: that. I could not go back after um, this. I don't think I could are, go back.
2: Where did you from originally?
3: I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, okay. Yeah, not not really an NBA town anyway. But yeah. <laughs> I
2: don't, well, I don't, I don't think you. I
3: could go back to that.
2: Um, you are said you were kind enough to just jump around some offseason topics with me. So we'll kind of get right into it. And um, I guess the <laughs> I, I, I can't def- figure out what's the bigger talk right now between the Kawhi Leonard stuff in San Antonio or the LeBron James free agency. I think it was probably Kawhi leading up to the draft. And maybe now it tilts toward LeBron. I'm curious how you kind of see the Leonard stuff playing out do you think I I guess on one level do you think that is there a party here that's more at fault than the other is there mutual blame that should be being doled out at the moment
3: well first of all I think that the Kawhi stuff is definitely the bigger story or maybe the more surprising story which means it's like the story because with LeBron we all knew this was going to happen like last year Right, we knew like how wild this was going to be this summer, the lead up to it, everything. But with Kawhi, I never would have expected this. Never. Like if you told me this last summer, I, I would have laughed. Like there's no way with him. It's surprising. With the Spurs, it's surprising. With Pop, it's surprising. So I never would have expected that. Um, but I do think the Spurs are more to blame because, you know, when it came out that they pressured him to play those nine games he did play that looks really bad on top of these reports that, you know, if they're true about, he feels like the team messed up his diagnosis. That's even worse because a, like you're playing with someone's money. He's going to be a frazier next summer. Like if he has another season where he's trying to come back from injury and it's much harder because I mean, he lost a year this year and that's basically losing money. It's losing clout for yourself. This guy was coming off like a, MVP um, candidate season and now he's not playing you know what I mean so it it looks it's bad honestly for that purpose alone but then you know if you mess up someone's health and it has like long-term I don't know what it's going to be like you know quad injuries or something that it's not like an ACL where we like have a bunch of examples of it but um, yeah so I think that's really bad and he's probably really upset because of that but then what was for me, like, what was the? Uh, oh, I can't even remember that expression. I'm still on the strep antibiotic, so I'm <laughs> not, not the sharpest, which is perfect for your podcast. But was what was worse for me was that they had pressured him into those games because that would have been into in January, right? So that's a really long time. And the reports were that he told them he was not comfortable playing in the games. It's not like he was, you know, off. So often we hear players say like no, I'm ready to play, like, let me play, and then it's up to the doctor to be like, dude, you can't play, but if your player is telling you that he's uncomfortable with this, and the injury is that serious, the injury caused Greg Popovich to say before the season that he's never seen anything like it, that's pretty bad, that's pretty bad, and then, but, I mean, at the end, you know, with, it was, it's been more recent that we've heard that, uh, Tony Parker and Manu were in the locker room, like begging him to play. So then that you know that doesn't look good on him um, if he really was ready to play. But I think at that point I'd be really fed up too. So I do think I would put the Spurs as more to blame. But we really don't, you know, the thing with Kawhi is that he's he's very private, and so we really only know how it played out on one side so far.
2: Tony Parker might be low key one of the worst teammates ever.
3: (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, for multiple reasons, we could throw it back to Eva Longoria, but yeah, he might—he seriously might be one of the worst teammates ever. It might
2: not um, even be low
3: key, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's like actually very publicly documented that he um, has caused a divorce. Um, but you know, actually, the other thing that I find interesting with the Spurs and why I think it's the bigger story is because we don't know what's going to happen, and um, you know, you could say that with LeBron too, but. You know, either he's going to go or he's going to stay. But the thing with the Spurs and with Kawhi is that Popovich said last year, Lamarcus came up to him and was like, "Hey, I want to be dealt. Like, send me somewhere else. This isn't working out." And he said that. He, I mean, basically, obviously, they told him no. They were like, "No, you should like stick it out and and try with us again." And a lot of times, when um, well, it's seeming now more and more that when players are asking to be traded, even if they don't just have one year on their contract that, um, you know, the front office is like obliging, or at least it's coming out more than I can ever remember recently. And so if the Spurs are a team that said no, and also pop said that he, it was the first time anyone had ever asked him for a trade in like what, 22 years. It was like the first time anyone had ever done that. So now this is happening the summer after. So I'm very interested to see you know, is it, is it really that bad? Because if you're an organization that maybe has a, you know, a one-time history, but still a history of not, um, you know, honoring that request then, and, and then, you know, you're so resentful towards this player that you do it anyway. That's what's interesting to me. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to see about that. I do think it depends on what they can get for him, but also if they can get to him because obviously they met with him in San Diego but I do think his circle is really influential on his decision-making. So obviously everyone wants to hear what Kawhi has to think. That's the most fascinating thing, but I don't think we're ever going to get that. Maybe when he's like 80, he'll write an autobiography.
2: <laughs> That'll be like under 1,200 words or something. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it'll be a short as It'll be like a Players' Tribune, like <laughs> eight-paragraph <laughs> autobiography. <laughs> I can't wait.
2: Now, do you, I get, so this is a two part question. If you are the Spurs, would you give him the designated veteran extension, knowing with what's going on with the quad injury that he only played in nine games? And then do you have kind of a, it's so hard to pick, but do you have a gut feeling pick of how this is going to end? Do you think he'll be in San Antonio to start next season? Do you think he'll be somewhere else?
3: Uh, well, I think that those both play in with each other. I think that if they're going to, if they're going to trade him, I don't think they're going to set him up for more money. Um but yeah, I think he's going to be traded because it just feels like it's at a point where if they don't think that he's going to, you know, be able to flip and say, "Okay, I'm going to give us another chance. I'm going to try to get along with you guys." And it just really seems like he's not, then no, I I can't see that being on the table because I really think Pop is the kind of coach and you know, just person who wants to leave something behind. And if you look at the Spurs right now, like, what are you leaving behind? Seriously, like LaMarcus yeah. ain't it, you know, it was supposed <laughs> to be quiet. It was, it was, it really was last. I mean, in the playoffs, it was like Manu saved them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like twice. <laughs> so I, I think he's really uncomfortable with the, the prospect of, you know, having to retire soon he probably wants to retire after you know everything that happened this year in his personal life and I think that he might even be more inclined to do a trade because of that because you know a lot of the talks are like maybe Brandon Ingram a pick from the Lakers those are those are promising things to you know toward the future to leave behind so I do think that I honestly I really do think that he's gonna wind up getting traded.
2: Wow, I'm, a, I'm surprised that I can't find more people who don't think he's going to get traded is just kind of where I'm at because I, I just have a feeling, but I, I'm wrong on all this stuff all the time <laughs> that, he, that he'll still be on the Spurs next season. I, I just mm-hmm. Maybe it's just a stubborn gut feeling, but
3: mm-hmm. if,
2: if they're going to move him, are you of the mind that it's okay to be, for entertainment purposes, it's cool if they're petty and say they're not going to trade him to a Western Conference team, but objectively, do you think that's kind of a stupid stance for them to take.
3: Well, I mean it depends. I guess it it's like a it's an even it has to be a good balance of this is what's most worth it for us. Like I cannot see them trading him to the fucking Lakers unless they get a haul. Like there's no way. But I don't know if I mean Western Commerce team, I don't know. Like send him to the Kings and we'll never hear about him ever again. You know what I mean? So it's <laughs> just like it it depends on the team. Well, I guess then he's a free agent. So we we would, but I think that they probably are more focused on the return than necessarily where they're sending him. Um, And who knows? I guess it does seem like they would get more coming from a team in the West. But, I, I mean, you could make the argument some teams in the East. I'm trying to think about what a good trade would be. I don't know. Have you thought about that at all?
2: Yeah, I've thought a lot about the packages. Um, I think Philly and Boston can probably offer better deals than Los Angeles can, even if if they're all going to put, let's say, their best foot, realistic foot forward. I would think the Lakers rank third. I just, I'm kind of... You said Philly and Boston? Yeah, would be the two teams I'd pick. Why
3: would Boston ever want to do that? I've heard that so many times. Why would they ever want to do that? This guy, we don't even know. How, like if he can play the same, we don't know like what his medical situation is. You know, he Can't was like cleared the by the Spurs Irving doctor. A little bit,
2: though, or Hayward. Like, well,
3: so the thing about, the thing about Kyrie is this is really funny because I'm not a professional athlete. And like this, it's going to come off like really like narcissistic, but, or not narcissistic. <sighs> <laughs> indulge dude. it. We're all An- about narcissism. the antibiotics. But I actually had two plates in my arm and I had like eight screws. And it, which is what was bothering him. Right. And I, all through college, like, you know, I play sports and they would get so inflamed and it was like so bad that I couldn't, you can't lift the same weights on either side. Like there's certain things that, you know, it's just, you're cut off from, you can't do them anymore. And it's like things that you don't even think you would need. Like They're in my arm. You don't even think you would need your arm like for athletically. And it was still hurt. like, you know, running everything. So then I got them taken out. And it's amazing. It's been a world of difference. Like there's, it's so much better. It's like, it never even happened. So if he's, if it's truthfully that it was just getting inflamed because of that, yeah, I have complete confidence because then it's not that type of knee issue anymore. Granted it was in the beginning, but if it's really because it was getting inflamed because of the um hardware that was in his knee in and around his knee then actually i really do think that's not necessarily like an injury thing per se i think it's just something that he had to take care of um to to fully recover from the injury in the first place so i would actually i would argue that he is a more safe bet or safer bet than quiet
2: i I think I, well, one, it set my takeaways matter. One, you definitely have a higher threshold for pain than I do. <laughs> Two, I think I would kind of agree with you and uh, wh- about Irving being more of a sure thing. To we can't even say recapture his form because it, he wasn't crapping the bed before he right. went on the injury right. list.
3: I oh, just is this think, not a cussing podcast? Do we not cuss here? I oh, no, think I've already done that three times.
2: No, not. you fine. have a beep button. Not. No, I drop F-bombs <laughs> all the time. It's um, so it's, so But I think Kwai's peak is just so much better than Irving's if he does recapture his form. And so if it came down to it, I'm not team Boston should mortgage the youthful base to get Leonard. But if an Irving for Leonard swap was proposed, if I were the Celtics, I'd feel pretty good about that. But I'm assuming you fall on the other side of that fence then.
3: Yeah, I would. I would because look at where they got this year, and you know, two of their their two best players, their two highest scores were out. So I'm I actually I think maybe also I'm just selfishly really want to see what it looks like as a whole package. But yeah, I wouldn't because I think Kyrie is he proved to be very 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 important to that team. And then this is a team that went on and was sufficient without him. So the two together, it's just like I I feel like we need to give that more time. And also, if you think about adding Kawhi, you really have to rearrange some other things. Not, You know what I mean? It's not like it's a um, point guard for point guard swap. So you have to, you know, and then they would have to take care of that situation as well. They'd have to um, figure out the backcourt and make sure it was good enough. And the thing about Brad Stevens' offense, too, is, like, it's so much that whoever has the ball, whoever's the ball handler, like, really, really runs shit. You know what I mean? Like, that is his yeah. offense. That's why, like... Uh, You know, when Marcus Smart was, you know, when he has the ball or when Terry was starting, that's why like they they had such high point averages because that, that's just his offense. So I really do think you need someone who can who is a star in that spot. So I also that's also why I would lean toward Kyrie.
2: I would have thought you of all people had more faith in Terry year.
3: I. <laughs> love Terry Rozier. I do not think he's gonna get traded everyone's mentioning him as like oh now he's got so much more value and he does but I don't think he's gonna get traded well especially now since uh what's his face uh since smart was like yeah I'm definitely not gonna settle for less money you know now that it's like okay you guys should probably keep Terry because Shane Larkin ain't it <laughs> so I <laughs> I do think that they'll keep him but I thought they were gonna keep him anyway because of that I, everyone else calls it a running joke that Danny Ainge won't trade him. But I, to be honest, I, I think it's genuine. My heart will be broken if they trade Terry. And I'll probably think that this podcast is cursed and I'll never come back on.
2: <laughs> well, look, I, in, I, in support of your point, I think if you can FaceTime <laughs> Danny Ainge during the middle of the draft and him pick up right before he make their pick, that screams untouchable to me. Right, right. I, I do think uh, for me, it's I would rank it as I'd like to see Boston stand pat first, but I would still trade Irving before I would mortgage the youth for Leonard. If that's if they were going to get quiet no matter what, I'd rather see it be built around a deal with Irving um, than the youth. I do think we could probably both- Yeah,
3: because Jason Tatum is like,
2: he's I, mean, that's a whole, I mean, that's he's the, the other good. thing about
3: the quiet trade. I'm like, oh, I see a lot in Jason Tatum. I kind of want to let him grow. You know what I mean?
2: And even Jalen Brown, it's when you look at their roster, you want to like, I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see Jalen Brown maybe get more touches as, as this alpha on the court. But mm-hmm. you, you do think about what could this Boston team, assuming they keep most of it intact because it's going to get really expensive. But what could this team be? Just skip ahead two years and assume they don't lose. Maybe they lose one of these, you know, six or seven main of their guys. Like, what is this team going to be? It's almost scary to think about.
3: I know. And that's what, and that's kind of what I was saying is about like selfishly. I want to keep it together. Now I will say that if it was some trade that involved Jalen Brown and obviously it couldn't be straight up, then I would listen because I do think he's going to be, I think the Spurs would buy into that because there's such a team pop, such a guy where he can look at a player and see their potential and then maximize it. So I do think that that would be a trade that I'd be interested in. Because that makes a little bit more sense to me on both sides.
2: Yeah, I think that about sums up just the the Leonard situation uh, nicely. I would trade him to a Western Conference team. I think it's just, you said it, it should be best package because if you trade Leonard, you're probably not looking to compete in the near term anyway. That would allow us, though, to shift to some really quick LeBron talk before you um, get out of here. I had emailed you about, I think there's, his field is so finite, um, but I'd emailed you about picking um, head, heart, and wallet destinations, and so I want to start with. What do you think? The wallet destination is obvious because it's Cleveland and getting a five-year deal. Um,
3: I would disagree. I would disagree, but oh, I'll tell you why. Are you okay, ready? Then
2: let's start there. The wallet destination, <laughs> okay. please.
3: No, no, no. I gotta. That's. I gotta build my case. So I'm. I have to go with the head decision first.
2: All right, the so you just take it in, in those. I just want to hear those three picks, however order you want, then. Yeah.
3: All right, get some popcorn. If he makes the decision with his head, it's the Rockets. It has to be the Rockets. They're the most pre-made team set up to tear down Golden State. They're like a frozen burrito. He goes there, like it's done. Or it's it's his best chance of getting it done, I should say. They're the closest sure thing to a ring in, in the immediate future, next season. If he makes the decision with his heart, the easy answer here is Cleveland. Because, you know, I don't even have to explain that. But there's so much bad blood between him and Dan Gilbert, actually, that maybe that isn't the decision he'd make with his heart anyway. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> and, and you know, actually, I think that the destination he'd make with his heart might have more to do now with his family. Because he said, okay. I'm making this decision also for my family. And like, they're the ones I'm going to listen to too. And so that also plays into my wallet destination. Both are probably now both are LA because the sun is looking at schools there. Um, and LA is a trade destination. It's one of the cities that guys always want to go to. But to be honest, I don't think that's what's most appealing about them this summer. I think it's the fact that they can create so much cap space. So it's a, I, I've been making this argument for like very like quietly for a couple of weeks, but it is most appealing now, I think, because it's it's a player league more than it has ever been, and I really think that the opportunity for players to recruit each other and team up makes whatever location a destination so much more, like so much more than it has ever been. Actually, I was saying that on our Ringer Slack about Brooklyn in 2019. Like, they'll have so much cap space that it's a blank canvas. And their recruiting pitch can literally be, dude, we can sign whatever other friend, high-caliber guy that you're close with. And so circling back to LeBron and the wallet decision, I think it's LA because his own wallet, yeah, it'd be Cleveland, of course. But I'm looking at their wallet, and they actually have enough to set him up. More, more so obviously than the Rockets, um, and I, I don't subscribe to the thought that he would take a pay cut to go to the Rockets. Like that would have to be a, a Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Magic situation. But I, that's why I, and that's also why I think LA is most likely. I really do.
2: That's actually I didn't even think of that. So that's a great point. And then I guess also the off court ventures in LA if he, if he's looking to expand his movie career before his NBA playing career is over. You
3: know, people say uh, that but I'm like the the man like has houses here like I'm you know what I mean it's just like if if you want to tell someone like Hey, let's set up a meeting for this movie. By the way, it's LeBron. Like everyone's gonna take that meeting and he can just fly out here. You know what I mean? It's just like that. Wouldn't it be I understand easier, though, the point. Be there already? Yeah, I guess, but you're also talking about a man who flies That's true. like forty times well, forty times round trip a year minimum for games. So or not forty, I guess. How many home games are there? Forty one. You know what I'm you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yes, I, 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 you know I, what I'm saying? Well, wouldn't you <laughs> You're be, following you know,
2: my train of thought. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so I'll leave it here with this. W- would you be at all disappointed if he went to the Lakers, though? That kind of... Oh, I no. Try not to, nah. Really? I try not no, to No, because think it about it. Okay.
3: But uh, seriously, think about it, though. Think about the Lakers, right? Kobe uh-huh. Bryant, Magic Johnson, rings, blah, 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 successful. Think about the Lakers right now. Like, f- like seriously, think about their team. Like, Lonzo did not have the start that they wanted him to have. Right. Um you know what I mean like what well, seriously what was their year this year KCP? Like you know they've Brandon Ingram that's cool for the future, but I mean it was like flashes this year. So yeah, no. I I don't subscribe to that at all because it's maybe I'm also just less of a um traditionalist and I you know I, I'm not a fan of any one particular team, so that doesn't really offend me.
2: I think it's uh, for me. It's, there just seems something like less to it. I like. I would more prefer him in Houston just to see him immediately contend. And there's something to me that takes away from him following in the footsteps of a you know Kobe Bryant or Magic Johnson. I'm not a big legacy guy, but it just feels objectively like as the twilight or the finishing touch to his career. I'd be a little bit disappointed.
3: Well, that's the other thing. Is like we. I mean, most normal athletes in the NBA, are already on their, like, you know, walking downhill at the at 32, where he is now. And so it's, or is he 33? 33, yeah. Yeah, he's 33. So it's just, like, when is this Twilight gonna happen? Like, I honestly, I have no <laughs> idea. Fair. I guess he can be the judge of it, but, like, I, I seriously have no idea, like, when this is happening for him. And so that's another thing where it's, like, I'd rather see him go to the Rockets just because it's, like, dude, like, I hate having this MJ debate with people like, please just square it up and you know what I mean? Like get the rings and you know, take care of it just so when you do retire, like we can just hopefully one day this thing will end. And I'm not saying I'm even on the LeBron side of it. I'm just like, I just hate talking about it. (laughs) I swear. Like every time I meet a new person, like that's the thing that's brought up and I'm just like, I'm exhausted. I should like, honestly I should get a tattoo of like my My elevator pitch about how it really doesn't matter right now because LeBron's still in the league, and I should just show people like my arm tat, where where normal people get like a mom one. I should just show them that, and then that this whole discussion (laughs) will be over. But yeah, anyway, I'd rather him go to Houston for that purpose, so I don't have to get a tattoo. (laughs) So I kind of
2: want you to get the tattoo now, but do it do
3: it for me, LeBron.
2: Forced to choose though, right now, where would your gut tell you that he'll go?
3: Oh, Lakers lakers for sure
2: all right well yeah. we appreciate you giving us some of your time today uh definitely your lebron takes or I'm, I'm still gonna be thinking about those after the podcast <laughs> is over
3: in a bad way you're gonna be like what the fuck <laughs>
2: um no not a bad way never but if you guys want to follow Haley on twitter i would strongly endorse it she's a fantastic follow and a great writer for the ringer she is at Haley O something. That's H-A-L-E-Y-O-S-O-M-E-T-H-I-N-G. I said it last time she was on. That is a fantastic handle. Um, <laughs> thank you. If, you. if you want to follow me, I'm at Dam Valley. Andy is at Andrew D Bailey. Hardwood Knox is at Hardwood Knox. Our sponsor, MBA Math is at MBA underscore math. Just want to thank Haley one more time. And until next time, I leave everybody with the shout out to Kyle Anderson. Okay, we're moving into the second part of a split podcast. Um, Andy is back. We once again want to thank the Ringers, Ellie O'Shaughnessy, for coming on. Some good LeBron and Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard thoughts from her. Andy, how how are you doing? this was, you know what? Actually, I'm sorry. My super duper, incredibly esteemed, <laughs> awesome, sometimes awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, still exhaustingly studying for the bar exam. Co-host. Andy Bailey. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Uh, always excited to hear the patented Dan Favelli intro of Andy Bailey.
3: I'm ready so, to talk
0: to draft
2: too. Yeah, me too. My, this podcast is going to be, I apologize to you and Haley retroactively, it's going to be a mess because my phone started blowing up with notifications as I was doing the first part with her. and I, I like don't even I don't even think I said words at the beginning when I tried to direct it towards the quai situation. And then now I'm like, <laughs> um, it's throwing me off to like, how do you do an intro when you're recording the first half of a podcast? Because we don't do split podcasts. So this podcast is like, it's going to be super all over the place for our listeners. And I'm sure they're really going to appreciate my disorganization and stuttering and sputtering and incoherent thoughts.
0: I'm sure they will love it. I have absolutely zero doubt about that.
2: Did you want to, b- before we jumped into the drafting, did you want to l- lay out the case for why Ruby Gobert was snubbed during the draft awards last night <laughs> for MVP? Um, the NBA awards? I don't know why I said draft awards. See, <laughs> I'm-
0: Well, honestly, so yeah, we are recording this a few hours before the awards show airs. And yes, if he doesn't win um, MVP, Def- Def- defensive player of the year, coach of the year, and I feel <laughs> like I can make a case for him. <laughs> I could probably make a case for him winning rookie of the year too, but if it's not a clean sweep, yes, I'll be pretty upset.
2: So, <laughs> the draft, we're kind of we're behind the eight ball on it, but because I'm it's been talked to death. I think the place to start is obviously with the Doncic trade. I think the Mavericks made a really good move there, even when you look at what they had to give up to move up, I'm generally against the pick is, I think, top five, top five, top three, top three protected, or whatever the years are. So they kind of hedge themselves against or inoculated themselves against absolute disaster. Uh, so I think that's why I'm okay with it. But also to me, Doncic was clearly just the best player, should have been number one overall pick in this draft. And we know 2019 isn't an especially deep draft. And if you were Dallas and you were planning on trying to expedite your timeline all along, why not get the best player? In this class, Adam with Dennis Smith Jr., Dirk, Barnes. You have some cap space still this summer. And then I think that makes it a worthy gamble. Because even if you end up sending – if you if it all works out, you send the pick next year. And even if you're a lottery team, I think you can live with sending, let's say, 10 outside the top 10 pick and be okay with it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the moment they made that trade or the moment it was announced or whatever or Woj broke it <clears> – <throat> To me, Dallas was the winner of the night from that moment on. And I I really don't think anything happened from that point forward that trumped that move. One question, uh, Kirk Henderson has asked this on, on Twitter. He's been a guest on the show in the past at Kirk Serious Face, but he said I, I wonder what the thinking was uh, from the Mavericks to be willing to deal a first, but not be willing to absorb Kenneth Bay or uh i can't remember his name all of a sudden baysmore ba- <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah i guess i kind of worked um <clears throat> anyway so because there was those rumored reports uh, obviously my brain is scrambled too by the way um there were those rumored reports before the deal went down that that was what they were looking at was was maybe absorbing baysmore's uh contract and i get that Dallas wants to preserve its cap space, and it sounds like maybe they'll go after a big man like DeMarcus Cousins or Clint Capella. But it might have been a bit more rebuild-centric trade if they had done that one, if they had taken the Baysmore deal um, without having to ship out the next first-rounder that they have. But either way, again, I I think this is, even with the way they structured it, I think they are the winners of the night. Uh, Obviously, Two or three years from now, I could look really stupid. And maybe Luka Doncic isn't what I thought he would be. But to, right now, today, he looks like the best player in this class to me. And, I, and I'm and i not sure it's particularly close. So I think they walked away as, as clear winners on that night.
2: And you tweeted this out over the weekend. And while I was in my haze in New Orleans, I retweeted <laughs> it. The Bogdan Bogdanovich comparison to Doncic's last season in Europe, just yeah. looking at those both. I found that fascinating, and I'm assuming you don't have it brought up because I'm randomly. So I have it here and you said Bodanovich's last season in Europe, you tweeted
0: I need to uh, I need to clarify that before you uh go ahead read it because I accidentally left out the fact that those are per thirty six numbers.
2: Per thirty-six minutes at a lower level than Luka Doncic, age twenty four for Bodanovich, and this is per thirty six, as Andy said, nineteen point two points, five point one assists, four point seven rebounds, one point five steals. true shooting percentage, 19.1 PER. Doncic's last season in Europe, age 19, 20.3 points per 36 minutes, 6.5 assists, 7.6 rebounds, 1.6 steals, 59.2 true shooting percentage, 22.8 PER. And I would probably hazard, I'm not sure if you saw this, but that Doncic's usage rate was appreciably higher than Botte that's a good in his last season I'm
0: gonna look that up while you're talking
2: uh, and again it's like you said we could all it could prove to be wrong with Doncic I I just don't you know I, I don't I think he's gonna be really really good and another kind of and Bazemore that was a good point by you because the the Bazemore stuff he could have actually helped the Mavericks win now as opposed to Wesley Matthews who's coming back from his leg injury I get that Matthews is an expiring contract maybe that suggest the Mavericks want to have more flexibility in the coming years, looking at 2019 free agency, or maybe it suggests that they want to move him in a trade where they're maybe taking back long-term money, but for a better player than Kent Baysmore. Perhaps they just view that someone better is going to become available. I found that fascinating too, when I was listening to uh, was it Woj's podcast or Lowe's podcast, whoever said it, but I found that fascinating too, that they were, I don't know if the phrasing would be keen on, but they preferred this package to the one that involved them not forfeiting this this high of a pick uh, in exchange for taking on Bazemore.
0: If they do sign one of those big guys, by the way, uh, Bogdanovich's usage in his last season was almost identical to Doncic's this year.
2: Well, props to him.
0: Bogdanovich's was 26.84, and then Doncic's was 26.86, so within hundredths of a percentage point. Um, But yeah, that comparison is super interesting because by the second half of the season, you could probably make an argument that Bogdanovich was Sacramento's best offensive player. I think it's probably between him and Buddy Heald. He was really, really solid. And so (laughs) Luka... Five years younger, already posting better numbers in a in a similar similar situation. Although, like I said, I, I do think that the Spanish ACB is better than the Turkish BCL, which I was surprised to see how many supporters of the Turkish BSL were following me on Twitter. Um, but anyway, the comparison was super interesting to me. Now, back to the point that I cut myself off from. Um, if they do sign DeMarcus Cousins or Clint Capella... <laughs> I'm i, don't even, I am, like, scared to even ask this question. Is there a chance they compete for like the 8th seed in the West? Dennis Smith, Wes Matthews, Luka Doncic, um, Harrison Barnes, I guess, and and Cousins. And then with, I don't know, is Dirk coming off the bench in that situation? I guess he would.
2: And I don't think they he probably still need in.
0: another couple years, right?
2: I would think it, it all depends. If it's DeMarcus Cousins, it depends on what he is post-recovery. Yeah. Will he even be ready for the start of next season? A two would be a question yeah, to ask. Clint uh, Capella, I just can't, I can't picture them getting him. Why would the Rockets not match anything that's thrown at Clint Capella this year? I get that he's not worth yeah, a max deal, but I'd be shocked if they didn't match it.
0: Is there any chance? Does LeBron going to Houston make it less likely that Capella would be back? Even though the LeBron used to thing, I think it's kind of it's it's going less likely by the day.
2: And they thought they could just plug in any average Joe at center at that point, or maybe you want to even roll with because in that scenario, you LeBron has to play off the ball more, use him as the role man more. If you're talking yourself into using him at center, then maybe Capella becomes kind of expendable. I don't
0: because I, I actually think I think Capella, I think there's a very small chance like you, that Houston wouldn't match, whatever he gets. But I I think he might help Dallas more than Cousins would.
2: He would, just because of what he does on defense. And you can play him, if need be, you can play him with Dirk. Because Dirk isn't going to be much, much worse of a defender than Ryan Anderson, who is probably was better this year, can do okay in the post. But I think you can argue that in the right role against the right opponent, Dirk could probably just do the same.
0: Um, Two other things about the Doncic thing. What do you think about the Dennis Smith Doncic fit? Are you worried about them not having enough touches or whatever else people were talking about that
2: night? I think it's going to be a problem when you look at Harrison Barnes still being there. If it was just those two guys, it'd be fine because Dirk we've Dirk has been we talked about Vince Carter being we've done this on the pod before being yeah. probably the best Dirk ever is in the NBA ultimate history. Transitioning from start on to role player duty, I think Dirk is now officially the greatest of yeah. all time when it came to that. And he's so you don't, yeah. you don't you don't worry about him, but Barnes is different because he signed in Dallas to have a bigger role. He did play kind of the he was fourth fifth wheel at times in in Golden State, so he's not unaccustomed to that type of usage. But at the same time, he's someone that you look to put on the ball as well. I would think especially as Doncic and Smith are learning. I think Doncic will be fine working off the ball for the most part. I don't know what you do with Dennis Smith if he doesn't have his jumper honed in other than try and run him off cuts and maybe try and get him in some alley-oop situations.
0: Yeah, I think there'll be a little bit of sorting out to do, but...
2: It helps for that what both I've... Smith and Doncic are playmakers. Yeah. It would... If well, and if he th- can improve his passing, then maybe it's easier. I think a lot
0: of Mavericks writers have rightfully pointed out that Rick Carlisle has been play- playing up to three point guards at once, and that's something that we talked about during the season too. That lineup where they had Devin Harris Small at the three. So, yeah, yeah this this Dallas team is accustomed to playing multiple playmakers. So I think it'll work from that standpoint. And the other thing I thought about right on draft night was Luka Doncic looked really good off the ball when he was playing for Slovenia and he was alongside Goran Dragic. That worked super well. Now Dragic is a better shooter than Dennis Smith. So like you said, I think a lot of it probably depends on how much his jumper develops between last season and this next one. But <clears throat> for the most part, I'm not super worried about the fit. Now, the other thing I had about this was, uh, this is just real quick. Did you see the video? And I, I had totally forgotten about this game. But did you see the video surface of him as a 17-year-old playing against Oklahoma City in the preseason? No.
2: I forgot about that too.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I remember Real Madrid playing um, the Thunder, but this was before Doncic was was super on the radar. I think I had heard of him at that point, but I really latched on after Eurobasket the next summer. Um, But somebody found the video of him, or, or they just took some video from that game, and he looks very comfortable and very natural playing against the Oklahoma City Thunder. There's even a clip of him guarding Russell Westbrook one on one, and he more than holds his ground. Um, and this is as a 17 year old kid. So that was another thing that I—I mean—that just really got me excited. I, I like I said, I think there's a chance that I've overhyped him, that we've overhyped him, that the media's overhyped him, and maybe he's not as good as I think he'll be. But the more I read and the the more I watch, and, and I've been doing this with him for like a year, uh, I just think he's going to be really good.
2: I, I'm I'm totally with you on everything he said. And I did. I have to look up that video now because I haven't seen it.
0: No, I, I, and think I, it was
2: a, I think it was a I'm good trade. I'm trying to find the box store even. Right. It was a good trade. It, it was a calculated risk. There's definitely a risk involved, but I think it's a risk that you can justify taking in hindsight, almost irrespective of the outcome.
0: So Doncic came off the bench in that game, um, 17 years old again. He only played 18 minutes. He was one of five from the field, but he had five boards and four assists in 18 minutes against the Thunder. And Real Madrid beat the Thunder 142-137 in overtime. So next time time somebody wants to argue with me on Twitter about the NCAA being better than (laughs) these professional teams from Spain,
2: I'm I'm so interested to see what happens in Dallas with it. And it's also now – it's going to be interesting to see what happens in Atlanta with Trey Young
0: because – Yeah, because those two are going to be – those you, two are going to be attached to each other for a while now.
2: Right, and because even if you think – if they thought Doncic wasn't the guy, the consensus pick would have been their Jaron Jackson Jr., who a lot of people thought was the second best player in this draft. And so you essentially pass on both those guys to go with Trey Young and – that future pick obviously
0: and even even mo Bamba was starting to get a lot of buzz in like the you know two or three weeks leading up to the draft
2: that so yeah, they they, they, his fit they obviously collins. have his fit john collins would have been interesting and i've just yeah, Trey yeah Young been he's, weird. he's already coming in he was coming in with enough pressure just because a lot of people had soured on his stock his shooting slashes over his final few weeks at oklahoma were terrible i still have more faith in him I think than the majority, and I probably had less faith in him um, than the majority when he was at his peak hype. But then when everyone kind of started to sour, I just – I don't understand. I think there's still value in someone who creates shots the way that he does. And I, you look at how good of a passer he is already, there's definitely an NBA player there. But if he's not who they think he is, if he's not – I think at this point you have to say he if he's not going to be a top – 10 player at his position for them one day then this is something if Doncic pans out that they're going to come to regret
0: yeah I mean it could be a huge regret but I mean I I have said probably two or three times now already this podcast that I think Dallas won the night and yet I didn't hate the deal for Atlanta um I I think Dallas won the trade but I kind of like Atlanta's draft from sort of a macro view uh you know I know a lot of people have already drawn this comparison but I said a couple episodes back that Kevin Herter reminded me of Clay Thompson and now they've got both of those guys they've got the guy that a bunch of people have compared to Stephen Curry with Trey Young and now they've got a guy that's being compared to um Clay Thompson and Kevin Herter so maybe they have like a baby Splash Brothers thing going on and then a pick that kind of surprised me but the more I looked into it, the more I liked it was Amari Spellman at the end of the first round. And I don't even know if he'll play much this coming year, but that's another guy who can shoot threes. And obviously Travis Schlank, the current Hawks general manager, he came from the Warriors and he's seen how important uh, playmaking and shooting is. And they went all in on those things in this draft and they get another first round pick uh, possibly next year or sometime in the next two or three years. So I don't hate what they did. Again, from sort of a zoomed out perspective, I, I think I think you could reasonably say um, that this is a win win trade. With the caveat that we don't really, we can't really know who won a trade in the draft until you know two or three years down the road when these guys have developed and, and come a little bit closer to what they'll be in the NBA.
2: No, I'm with you there, and we both clearly then still have hope for the Trey Young train. Yeah, the. I, uh,
0: I think in general, this was like, and I was talking to one of my brothers about this during the draft too. I, I didn't think there were a lot of big mistakes. Um, I wouldn't have taken Aiton or Bagley, one or two. We've both kind of said that we like Luca and Jaron Jackson better. And I'm kind of high on Mo Bamba. I'm really high on Wendell Carter. Um, but I, I don't know how many just absolute terrible picks there were. This is a strong class. And I think for the most part, the teams did pretty well.
2: The Colin Sexton pick for Cleveland still
0: kind of puzzles. That one me. was weird. Yeah, if I had to point to two, uh, it would be that one and Marvin Bagley. Uh, and I think I did some draft grades for the Breaking News team for Bleacher Report afterward. I think those are the only ones I gave. I think I gave both of them like a C minus or something, and those were the two lowest grades I gave.
2: The I don't think this was a bad pick. The Knicks with Kevin Knox was was tough to. It was kind of funny because we had just,
0: <laughs> we had just talked about it like a day or two before the draft, right? Yeah. It was one of the ones that you weren't particularly stoked about.
2: I just Are you think feeling, go- you're
0: feeling better about it
2: now. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm indifferent to it in the sense that he could end up being a really good player, but I don't, what is he? Say? He just, after reading all the scouting reports on him and just watching briefly some film, I just don't know what necessarily stands out about him where you look at and say, He's going to be elite at this. And if you could tell me that he's going to be this guy, I think he's 6'9", who's just going to switch everything on defense, and you know what? Yeah, it's worth a worthy gamble. If you can tell me they're going to develop him strictly as a power forward, and that means KP's a 5, that's a big deal as well. But beyond that, it's just – it's not a pick I just don't think you can get excited about right now. I don't think – you're right. I don't think it was a bad pick, but it was kind of a blah pick.
0: Who would you have rather had? One of the bridges, Shea Gilgis, Alexander,
2: Zaire Smith, maybe. I don't. I don't know if I would have taken that big of a swing at nine. I would have traded. I would have traded back and gone with something like that before. I would have drafted Kevin Knox personally. That's what I would have looked to have done. But Mikhail Bridges, for sure. I understand that he probably didn't fit the timeline necessarily of the Knicks because he's. Not that his window is now, but he's going to come in, he's going to be ready to do stuff now, and you don't need that type of rookie. I would have looked harder at trading out of that spot, though, and tried to get maybe Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh-huh. Uh, again, you could have Miles Bridges a little bit lower with how he fell. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't have taken, I'm assuming, just because the medicals on him, what they must look like at this point. Michael Porter Jr. at 9 would have been way high, and he's probably someone we should talk about dropping all the way to 14. So, Again, it's not a pick to hate, but I I would have taken a bigger swing if I were that. Maybe traded again down or gone with Shea Gilgis Alexander at nine, who who you know I believe is going to be the best point guard in this draft.
0: I like him a lot too. I'm I'm all for big point guards. That's sort of my thing right now because <laughs> I I just love positionless basketball and I think he'll fit it pretty well.
2: What did you think of, of, go, ahead, oh, go ahead? I was gonna
0: I was gonna take us to Porter because you brought him up.
2: Oh yeah, um, that's fine. Yeah, do that.
0: He falls to Denver, and I don't. I think they have to take the swing at that point. It sounds like they were pretty interested in Zaire Smith too, which I also think would have been interesting. Um, and they cost me nothing, but I did have him mock drafted to take him a couple times. Um, but I, I think they had to take the swing at Michael Porter once he fell that far. But now we're hearing stuff that he might sit this entire season. Um, he basically sat his entire freshman year at Missouri, and those couple games that he did play, he did not. He didn't really impress me. Uh, he was obviously playing with a hurt back, and I, I don't know what other issues he has. Um, I think, I think the health stuff is pretty concerning for him at this point. If he can get back to a hundred percent, though, and maybe just like a full year with a professional training staff, a professional NBA training and medical staff can get him back there, this could wind up being an absolute grand slam of a pick for the Nuggets. And I don't think it was that high risk because it's the 14th pick, which is kind of a crapshoot anyway. So uh, I think it was a a great pick for them, even with the risk attached to it.
2: Do you know how I equated it? I had to write about it afterwards, is there were rumors that they were going to use the 14th pick to dump Kenneth Reed's expiring Mm -hmm. contract. If you were going to do that or even consider it, then of course you take uh, the yeah swing for sure Michael Porter. He's that's eight, a good point. Le- less than eight months ago, he was a consensus number three pick, and that was even even number one for a lot of people. What well, before the injury, he was oh, there. okay, okay, yeah, yeah. But after the injury, he was still a consensus number three pick at the beginning. And stuff has happened since then. You get more information. There was the hip. Problem that he had before his second pro day. I understand that, but you're not players who are drafted at number 14 in that area. With all due respect to Donovan Mitchell, they're not supposed to be transcendent and Michael Porter jr. Could be the other two things for me are they have the flexibility to redshirt him because if you give them a full year of Paul Millsap healthy, they're going to make the playoffs. And, but that's what – probably even make the playoffs last year if they didn't have to deal with the learning curve after his injury. We talked about this as well. Paul Millsap, uncharacteristic of him, did a bunch of this like weird freelancing for them, which I don't think yeah. he does if he has a grasp of how they're trying to play. And two, the struggles with Mike – or the knock against Porter Jr. functionally is that he – what is going to become of his handle off the dribble shooting and if you plug him alongside like Gary Harris or just alongside Jokic and you have him in that role, you have him come around screens, off cuts, get out in transition, they that mitigates the problems there. You can let him run some second units to try and hone his handle and get his taste of number one option duty maybe, but they have the the way that they play around Jokic is almost perfectly suited for his learning curve when he is healthy. Whether he's going to accept that type of role, he did say afterwards that he wants to be the best Nuggets draft pick in history. Shout out Carmelo Anthony. Probably felt a little bit slighted by that,
0: but well, Carmelo by, Anthony's already been blown out of the water by Jokic. By Jokic. That's true. Yeah. That's, a, that,
2: that's the other thing. I always forget about that. So I I don't know if he'll have. You don't want him to get that, but have symptoms of a player who thinks he should be doing more than he is or capable of. But if he's willing to accept whatever role they're going to give him, they have the talent and the play style to kind of work with him until he polishes off his offensive game.
0: Yeah, and if he does get fully healthy and he's like a 20 to 25 point scorer, he could be paired with a better superstar than Jokic, who would
2: gladly seed shots to him. Um, And it helps, I think, in a vacuum that Paul Millsap in another year. This is the thing I wanted to add. Sorry for interrupting you. No. Um, He's not normally the self serving kind. And even with Jamal Murray, who has a bit of Damian Millard in him, he's, he's not super deferential. But those, when you look at the Nuggets' primary three ball handlers in Millsap, Jokic, and Murray, they're not like these me first type dudes. And that should yeah. in turn help incorporate Porter.
0: I think it's generally speaking a pretty selfless team. Um, the other thing I was thinking about while you were talking is two or three years down the line if he's like a playmaking four, that's even more interesting to me than if he, you know, I think he would have to slot in at the three if he was playing this year, um, just because you can't Milsap's still there. Um, But if they let Millsap go when his contract's over and, and Porter develops into what he's supposed to be, some of the best minutes that Jokic has played in his career is when he's got Danilo Gallinari next to him, who we obviously didn't have this season, but when he is, uh, paired with a guy at the four who can create a little bit and who can shoot um, Denver's offense just becomes ridiculously dynamic. So that duo. Uh, and, and like you said, flanked by Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and whoever they would slot in at the three at that point. That's that has the potential to be a very, very scary team.
2: What did, what did you think about the Sixers trading Mikael Bridges? it was, borderline mean with the way it unfolded but it was I I don't I still don't even know what to make of it is who's taking I guess it's a good trade because you get that Miami Heat pick I'm almost wondering because Zaire Smith is more of a project Does it kind of tip their hand about how they view this summer because now you have that pick which is going to be super valuable in trade talks uh, because that also might be the year in 2021 when the NBA abolishes the one and done rule so you're going to be, the team that has that pick is going to be picking from presumably or possibly the incoming high school seniors as well as those collegiate freshmen. That's going to That could then be the super deep draft. And then it also says to go with, Mikhail Bridges seemed like he did everything they needed. And to go with Smith, to say, to go with more of a project, it only makes sense if you think that the rookie that you're getting, no matter who he is, isn't going to be playing a substantial role on your team since you're going to be chasing a title where you're going to have more established options in place.
0: I like the trade a lot, actually um, from a sentimental perspective, like you said, it was borderline mean. Um, I was surprised when I heard it just because we'd heard for so long. It's just such a perfect match for Michael Bridges and the 76ers, his mom, works in the HR department, he went to Villanova, he grew up in Philadelphia. It was just like this storybook um circumstance and it played out and then suddenly it was just no longer the case. So from that perspective, it was weird. Um the actual basketball sense of the trade, I I loved it to be honest with you. Um it seemed like Somebody, somebody said something like it's, it was a very Sam Hinkie type move. And I, I agree with that. Like you said, they get a first round pick out of it. And I think they have a guy who has really, really high upside in, uh, Zaire Smith. He, I don't know if you saw this. I think I tweeted this on draft night or maybe the next day, his college numbers in a lot of categories were better than Markel folds, who was Philly's number one pick last season. And college basketball reference has only been tracking box plus minus since the 2010-11 season. But there are only nine freshmen in that span who had a higher box plus minus than Zaire Smith. That's Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Jaron Jackson, Joel Embiid, Nerlens Noel, Wendell Carter, Cody Zeller, Lonzo Ball, and Marcus Smart. Wow. That's it. Um, He is a monster defender I, i've seen some video um gosh i wish i could i always I, <laughs> I always call out people's tweets on our podcast and i just have like no recollection of who tweeted it out but somebody was doing a thread of video of him playing defense and he is lights out um defensively and i think he he's got some good playmaking in his game his usage was much much lower than fultz's uh, was at washington but he topped him comfortably in box plus minus true shooting percentage um rebounding percentage block percentage steal percentage it was uh i think he has a a ton of upside like so many people have said so the trade made plenty of sense to me and i, I think with his length and athleticism he could even play some two three um he's not gonna play i think michael bridges was more of a three four type guy so you can't play him up as much as bridges could but he's I, I think he can still play some positionless basketball with him
2: yeah he's gonna guard positions one through th- three pretty easily i think at the next level yeah i it was totally more, i just think it might have been telltale of their thinking for this summer by going with it and it's brett brown that was a very not head coach move it was very like executive forward thinking driven even mm-hmm. if it's not even if it's not about putting Smith in place for the future, about keeping that pick, you're still saying, I want to do something with this pick this summer. So uh, it was the Suns assume most of the risk here because they get an NBA-ready prospect with Bridges, but that kind of says, or to me, at least signals, hey, we want to compete now uh, m- or be more competitive now. And we're going to go out and free agency and maybe try and find some veterans and, and hope that we can show progress, uh, results-driven progress. This year, and that'll be something to monitor for them because that 2021 pick could be super valuable. Not even just because of the draft, but you look at where Miami's position is going to be uh, two drafts from now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it could be very, very valuable. um I got to talk to you about number twenty. Grayson Allen going to the Jazz. jazz. What it, it was, was?
3: I was torn, torn on it, it.
0: When, when they announced, announced it. it I, remember I remember even thinking like. like As we were leading up to it, I just kept thinking, uh, don't let it be Grayson (laughs) Allen. And then they did it. And the more I watch and read and look into it, the more I'm um, talking myself into it. And And I'm not really sure who behind him I would have just loved to have instead of him. But at the same time, I still was a little bit uncertain Uh, when they
2: called his name that night, or when Woj uh, tweeted it out. What are you, are you, you're like, you're with it now? I don't know where I am. That's why I'm asking you. I want to know what you think about it. I I honestly,
0: um, I go back and forth. Like, he can shoot, he can create a little bit. I think he can play either guard spot. There are very real concerns about his defense, which is uh, it's kind of hard to get on the floor if you're playing for Quinn Center and you don't play defense. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of all over the place, and I was just curious to know what you thought about it.
2: I don't know how he's going to be in the NBA, but I think the a lot of the stuff that he does and, and people hate him for, he always looked like a guy who played really hard. And mm-hmm. if he's going to hit threes and then at least compete on the defensive end, there'll be a spot that he the jazz might be able to make something out of him i don't think it was a risk to take him there particularly when you look at some of their best options were or best fit prospects were already off the board yeah Yeah, that that was the thing thing as i was like digesting digesting it afterward i I
0: kept kept looking looking at who was taken after him and i'm not sure there's anybody that that i thought man they should have had him him. like Like, i was was pretty pretty high on janan musa coming into the draft. draft um but other, I don't, I don't know if there's a single guy within like 15 picks after that. De'Anthony Melton, I think, might have been interesting, and he fell way further than I thought he was going to. But like I said, there
2: was nobody after him that I just thought, man, I wish they would have gotten him. Yeah. Even why would you take a flyer on on Robert Williams when you have Rudy Gobert? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, he pretty much. Gobert eliminated
0: like any big man from consideration.
2: I think if Allen's going to be anything at the NBA level, the Jazz are probably one of the situations you look at and say this is where he would have ended up playing. If we're again, yeah. if we're coming back from the future and saying Grayson Allen's going to be a good NBA player, you might guess four or five teams he would have ended up on, and I think the Jazz would have been one of them.
0: Yeah, that's true. They're they're about as well equipped as anybody to maximize talent.
2: The last two draft questions I want to get to you is. Um, and I guess this will segue into the second one. Did the Spurs get the steal of the draft in Lonnie Walker at number eighteen? Um, I don't. I'm not as high on Lonnie Walker as other people are. I, I get
0: the physical tools, uh, and I think I think San, this is so. We just said Utah can make the most out of players. San Antonio obviously can too. So my biggest concern with him is shooting. And San Antonio, obviously, has Chip England, so maybe I shouldn't be that concerned about it. But I don't, I don't dislike the pick. I thought it was a good pick. I'm just not as, like, over the moon about it as a lot of other people are.
2: I think just because it's the Spurs and he kind of fills a need that they should have, just athleticism on the wings— yeah, I because because Walker was projected to go in some mocks the top ten at points, and to get him at eighteen is big. Mm-hmm. Another name to obviously throw here we talked about Porter already could end up being a steal. Uh, Robert Williams to the Celtics at number twenty seven, I believe, is almost just like really he yeah. to them. He was suppo- A lot of people had him going. Most didn't have him getting past the Wizards at fifteen.
0: He, uh, I remember watching. Texas A&M in the NCAA tournament this year. I was doing some stuff for Bleacher Report. And he, I think maybe more than anybody else, really made me like look up from what I was working on and just watch. Because his athleticism is crazy. It like jumps off the screen. When he would get the ball and go up to dunk or go grab a rebound or do anything, really, it looked like he was being shot off the floor with a cannon or something. Um, he is an incredible athlete and i think it's the kind of player that boston could very much use i mean al horford's obviously amazing and Aaron baines filled a role for them this season but neither one of those i mean i, I shouldn't say horford isn't a rim protector because he is but he's uh, robert williams has a chance to be like an explosive type of rim protector kind of like everybody's made this comparison but deandre jordan um just more along the lines of those shot
2: blocking rim running centers that that.
0: You know, so many teams covered right now.
2: We should probably also pour one out for Mitchell Robinson's NBA career since he ended up with the Knicks.
0: (laughs) Did you see the video of
2: him um,
0: taking one dribble from the opposite three-point line and then dunking it? I didn't see that video. Somebody was posting it, and I can't decide if I think it's a travel or not, but he's with the trainer he's obviously being instructed to do this, but he starts from the opposite three point line. He dribbles the ball way out in front of himself and he takes a ton of steps between that and recovering this dribble. Um, So I I honestly don't even know if it's travel, but then he picks up the ball and takes two steps and dunk it, dunks it. So, I mean, he really is starting at the opposite three point line and ending with a dunk with only one dribble in between. Uh, and just the fact that I have to think about whether or not it's a travel, that still makes it super impressive to me.
2: I just don't, I don't know how they're going to groom him. Maybe he'll get some PT <laughs> since Chris Stops might not play next season, but that's going to be, I would not have wanted him to end up there. Yeah, that's not the ideal situation.
0: But he is still intriguing to me. I think it was Jonathan Giboney, uh Draft Express, was with Woads like a day or two before the draft, and he was talking about, you know, just a year ago, Mitchell Robinson was going head-to-head with guys like Ayton yeah. and Wendell Carter and Bamba, and he was, like, holding his own and sometimes outplaying them. So to get him at 36, regardless of what New York can do with him, that's that seems like a steal. Um, like you said, there's probably other situations where his I mean, he's more likely to meet his potential. But um, I don't know. Do you think there's any hope? For, now you've got me thinking about the Knicks generally. This new front office and coaching staff and all this—you're it, it, still not excited about their ability to develop players.
2: Uh, I'm not. It's more of a <laughs> let, let's see. Got to see it to believe it. Neil Kina will yeah. be a good bellwether for that. Yeah. Do you have what's your rookie of the year pick right now? Maybe is there like a fit that you really like? Is it just Doncic? Is it just eight um. I think it might be hard for Donchus to get rookie of the year only because I don't know how much of the Dallas offense he will be allowed to monopolize.
0: Yeah. The, I, this is a tough call because like I said earlier, there's a lot of players in this draft I like. And I think there's a lot of players who could get a decent amount of playing time this coming season. Um, Aiden, I think will obviously be in the conversation. He's going to play a ton and I think he's going to get a lot of shots. And um I think Donchester will be in the conversation. I, I could see his stat line being somewhere around like thirteen, fourteen points, six rebounds, six assists. And that'll be really good. But I think some guys like Ayton, who's maybe averaging 18, is gonna look better to people just because it's more points. Um I think Trey Young That was the one I was gonna say. Especially if they get rid of Dennis Schroeder, yep. he's gonna have a ton of shots. Um so he'll certainly be in the conversation. Depending on what happens with Bobby Portis is still under contract with the Bulls, right? Yeah. I was gonna say Wendell Carter's a sleeper, but it might be hard for him to get minutes as long as Bobby Portis is there. But I I think there's a bunch of guys up and down this draft I could see putting up number.
2: Do you have a Spurs. sleeper? If they if the Spurs trade quiet Leonard, Lonnie Walker's my immediate sleeper pick. <laughs> That's a good call. Um sleepers. It's tough because like I like both the Clippers rookies. You know I love Shea, Gilgis, Alexander. I just don't know. They're, they still kind of have those win-now aspirations. I don't know if they, either of them will get enough. Him or Joe Robinson will get enough playing time to be in the conversation. It is cool. I think you could probably look at almost – I mean there's a scenario. Like what if Michael Porter Jr.'s healthy just blows us out of the water? You could just talk yourself yeah. into giving every lottery pick a chance basically. And maybe yeah. Darren Jackson, summer, probably maybe. not. I don't know how they're going to use him in Memphis right away. Yeah. I was going
0: to say the only ones I couldn't really see in the lottery, like no case or is probably Sexton. Oh yeah. Uh, Maybe that's about it. Miles bridges is one I was thinking could be a sleeper. Charlotte could maybe use a little bit more offense alongside Kimberwalker, Walker. And then if they blow it up, then he's obviously in a better position to take shots. Um, Yes, yeah, so it's going to be really interesting. If I had to pick right now, I'm just going to go ahead and say Doncic.
2: I think I'm going to go with Trey Young.
0: He's—I mean, if they get rid of Schroeder, he's going to shoot it a lot.
2: <laughs> uh, here's hoping, then. Um, yeah. But now, so segueing away from the draft, Sham Saranya Yahoo Sports reported that the Nuggets are declining Jokic's team options, we expected, and that they're going to sign him to the max five-year, one hundred forty-six, one forty-seven million dollar deal. I This is the right move, and yes. I think we need to remind people just how good that Jokic is. So since he has entered the NBA, these are his average ranks in these catch-all metri- metrics. In NBA math, total points added, <laughs> his average ranks since entering the NBA, number 11. PER, 10. Value over replacement player, VORP, 12th real plus minus wins rpm wins 14th so those those are the four that i looked at um they're among players who logged at least 2000 total minutes uh since he debuted in 2015 2016 which is that's a very small benchmark we're talking about 3 seasons so 2000 minutes is very small it's a very small sample size that he's rated as a top 15 player by those catch-all me- metrics over a over a 3 year span this isn't even a 1 year span is I just needs to end the conversation. This, this dude is a superstar. Yeah. Can you guess how many players have more wins over a replacement player than him over the last two
0: seasons? I would so say... So just basically since he's been the... Even though they dicked around with him a little bit last season, he's, this is basically the stretch that he's been the starting center for Wait, the Wait, can States.
2: we pause for a minute? Because you just used the phrase dicked <laughs> around, which is the closest you've come to cursing on this podcast. And it just made my laugh. Well, I, I guess, guess that's what, what happens when you don't play Nicole. <laughs> we found Andy's breaking point. Um, I would say how many how many players are in front of him? I'll say he ranks eighth. Okay, here's the top
0: eight in wins over replacement player over the last two seasons: Russell Westbrook, who I he's like my example of box plus minus not working all the time. Um. James Harden, number two. LeBron James, number three. Giannis Antetokounmpo, four. Nikola Jokic, five. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Carl Anthony Town, six. Stephen Curry, seven. Jimmy Butler, eight. Uh, I'll just round off the top ten. Damian Lillard, nine. Kyle Lowry, ten. Um
2: yeah, people say that absolutely. Kyle Lowry isn't good. That's great. Well, not that he's not good, but they're like, yeah. oh, so-and-so. He is underrated him. for sure. Yep. But... Um,
0: I think about this a lot for the last couple of years. Th- this guy is basically, if he gets starter minutes, he's going to go out there and give you like twenty points, ten or eleven rebounds, six or seven assists. And I just there aren't many other players who would go out there and do that as consistently as him and not get recognized. Yep. And I know he's he's super recognized by guys like us and you know people who pay close attention to numbers and stuff like that. But if this was like an American. High school kid who was all over ballers life mixtapes and like a one and done guy at Kansas or something like that. People would be freaking out about
2: these numbers. He is he is ridiculously productive. Oh, I'm with you, and it's just it's. <laughs> I, I don't even. I almost get exhausted talking about it because I don't think you should have to make a case for him. Anymore. No. The and yet we. Uh, we we still do. <laughs> well, because, yeah, I mean, it's we, we, it's kind of people, we've kind of been forced into doing it essentially. The interesting thing for them, though, is now if you pencil them in for his max salary, which is close to $25.3 million next year, they have a payroll that can very, very quickly balloon to above $140 million. We know that Wilson Chandler and Darrell Arthur both opted in. You, if you're going to pay Jokic that money, you have Will Barton's cap hold for six point seven, Michael Porter Jr.'s salary. He, Will Barton's, Barton's almost certainly gone, gone now, now right? right? I that's those are the decisions they have to make. But even if you get rid of his cap hold, you're still at a hundred and let's say thirty three million. And I don't yeah. maybe they're willing to pay the tax. I don't. It's probably tough to talk yourself into doing when you were a lottery team last year, but it's are they going to try and dump salary? They do have a bunch of expiring contracts now in Chandler, Fareed, Darrell Arthur. Chandler's probably someone that you don't need to grease the wheels for, I would think, anyway, or at least not much, and if you want to open up minutes for Porter because you think he's ready to play. But this does—you're right about Will Barton. Do they bring Will Barton back? But on the flip side, if they were willing to really just double down— if you're you can you can trade all of your expiring contracts. They have the sweeteners to do that. So if they if they wanted to and they're able to do that uh, while taking back minimal money or no money at all, they're gonna have cap space until they like you can you can work with Nikola Jokic's hold uh, and then go over the cap to resign him. And his hold is under is under three million dollars. So you can just essentially if you got rid of all those expiring contracts, you can get to fifteen plus million dollars in cap space if you want to. And then go over to resign Jokic once you do that. But then then you're just you're into the tax and never coming back. Hyperbole, but And there's
0: there's so little cap space available for those kind of moves, too. And they're not the only team that's going to be trying to get off salary.
2: Well I would think that they could they might be able to get off you have about 20 million wrapped up in Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Reed a little bit more 21 million, 21 to change. You might be able to get that money off to Atlanta if you gave them enough or maybe maybe even the Bulls if they resign and not signing free agents. like those are expiring contracts. If you're willing to give it any compensation, then you're not going to give up Porter Jr but maybe a future pick and one of your your youngsters that you're not as committed to, Trey Lyles, Malik Beasley. I just wonder how many other teams will be calling Atlanta with the same idea. Who's given them more than that, though? Let's say a future first-round pick and then Beasley or Lyles. Who's given them more than that? I don't know off the top of
0: my head. I just I, I, I just keep thinking there's going to be so little cap space. Um, I mean, it certainly should be something that Atlanta would be interested in, especially since they've come out and said, we're willing to do this this summer. Um but yeah, if they could, if they could figure out a way to get some cap space this summer, and they do like find teams that are willing to take on those contracts, that's super interesting. And they have a path uh, to
2: doing it next year, I should say, because you have freed Arthur Chandler coming off the books and Millsap yeah. deal as a team option. But it's just harder Maybe. when you have Jokic making close to thirty million dollars. That's true. Did you see
0: Bobby Marks tweet about uh, Will Barton earlier today? It was like right after the Jokic news. Um, he was saying bringing the guard back on a conservative $8 million salary would cost the Nuggets an additional $20 million in tax penalties. And now, obviously, that's assuming they keep everybody else.
2: Yeah, it's... Uh, Suddenly, it becomes a very, <laughs> if you very, want, very expensive team. If you think Porter is going to play, then I, I guess it makes sense to let him go. They're not the same player, but you want to allocate touches to Porter, and both Barton and Chandler... Take that away from him. At the same time, Barton was good last year. He he. Was, yeah, I came around on him
0: um, over the course of the season. And who would be the alternative? I guess would be like Malik Beasley. I'm yeah. trying to think who else could even take those minutes. They could. I guess they could try to play Juan and Gomez at the three again. Even though I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of that experiment.
2: Oh, he's and by the way, he's another player they could use in salary dumps. They, and it could end up just being maybe you salary dump to get yourself out of the tax and keep Barton. Would be the other option.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Because you're uh, you're probably looking at to get to keep Barton. I don't know what he's going to cost. He turned down that extension, that Josh Richardson extension, basically last year. I, I I don't think that it's guaranteed that he gets more than that, or even as much as that in this market. When you look at the teams that have cap space, uh, but it, if you want to keep him, you probably and avoid the tax in the process probably need to shave between you'd have to get rid of the Farid and Darrell Arthur deals. And I, I think that they have the, the sweeteners to do that. They will be very, very interesting to watch uh, over the next couple of years. Um, for sure. The final thing is Carmelo Anthony um, did, did not exercise his $27.9 million early termination option. He's on his way back to the Thunder. People were, some, most seemed pretty level-headed about this. Melo, over his career, has earned that money, the profits he's made other teams. He signed a contract. It's his right to to come back and make that money. He's probably now a buyout candidate. But I, some people were using it as like an indictment on his character. And it's like, no, you're not leaving that money on the table. No one is because it's going to take him. <laughs> and in this market, he's not even getting a three-year $28 million deal, I don't think.
0: No, I wouldn't think so either. Um this is another thing I uh, tweeted out, uh, as I am Always known tweet. to do. There were 540 players who played at least one minute last season. Carmelo Anthony was 537th in wins over a replacement player. That seems low. The only guys that were worse than him were Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, and Tyler Ellis. Do you see a path uh,
2: to redemption for him next year in OKC? Uh
0: jeez, I don't. I think he's done. I don't has he helped a team or made them better since that year that the Knicks won like fifty four games or whatever it was?
2: Has he been like a a demonstrative plus? I think since that year with the Knicks, there was twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen was clearly not his fault. He was actually very good that year. I still think he can be in the right role. And I'm not I the Thunder I think can give him that role. There needs to be some understanding that if he really wants to start as an ego thing, you need to thought maker him, put him in the game for two or three minutes, pull him out and then buy yeah. him without Westbrook or George. And I mean, so listen to her 36 minutes with George and Westbrook on the court, Melo averaged 17 points and slashed 40% shooting 35.8 from three 75.4 from the foul line. His plus minus was 4.9 per 36 without them. And it's a small sample size. Uh, under 150 minutes, but he averaged 34.6 points per 36 minutes, shot 51.3% from the floor, 35.3% from three, so slightly lower, got to the foul line 7.7 times per 36 minutes compared to 2.1. And his plus-minus was actually higher per 36 in those minutes, 7.3. Someone should show him that and say, hey, and and explain what you just did. Hey, we're going to pull you two minutes into the game, and then, and then you, you get, get to come, come in and, and just destroy backups. The right, and he should be open to that. I don't think he's more than he yeah. deserves this money. That's fine to me, but I, he needs to be I don't think he fully embraced the role in Oklahoma City this year as much as he made it out to be that he did. He clearly resented some of it based off his post post-season comments. Mm-hmm. The issue for them though, assuming he accepts that role is what happens when you close games. Just because Well, yeah. That's the that he's going go to the in close, for sure. Right. So The other thing is... If Paul George leaves... I, yeah, I don't think he's coming back. So how bad is
0: OKC going to be if their top two guys... Well, their top two would still be Westbrook and Adams, but if their top three is Westbrook, Adams, and Melo, um I think, I'm not even sure that
2: team makes the playoffs. I think there's a chance that they're... They're not going to be as good, but I think there's a chance... I would still call them a playoff team just because... I think there's a chance Melo becomes more valuable as the second guy because he all of a sudden went from number one in New York. He shouldn't have been, but he went from number one in New York to number three in Oklahoma city. The transition to number two duty is going to be a tick easier.
0: Yeah, that's probably true.
2: Um, and now he has the benefit
0: of going from three to two instead of from one to three. But I, I think, if they don't have Paul George and they have the top three that I just laid out, I would actually have a pretty hard time seeing them make the playoffs, because I think Denver probably gets in next year. Yes. Um, Memphis
2: Not a lot. maybe competes. <laughs> no. If Calme and Sal are healthy. Maybe. Um, the Clippers should probably be thrown in that conversation still. Yeah, maybe still competing. Dallas, if they get, like, Cousins and everything works fine right
0: off the bat. I, I'm, I'm not sure they would be a playoff lock.
2: But, I don't know. I guess that's why we play the games, right? Or they play the games. I, st- <laughs> I My point is, is I still have hope that he can make a positive impact in Oklahoma City if he's used the right way and willing to adapt even more. Yeah. But thing has never be been a lot. So,
0: yeah. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to hit today? No, that is it. All right. Well, that was fun. Um, we hit on the draft. Uh, we talked about Nicola Jokic. We talked about Carmelo Anthony. If you want to shout at us about any of our takes, you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Valley, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm on Twitter, Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The, sponsor's the sponsor, I had a little list there for a second is at nba underscore math, and you can go to nbamath.com slash shop and enter the promo code Benno to get 15% off anything there. Uh, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to that man, Benno Udry, and to Kyle Anderson.
1: Lowe's knows you'll do it right, and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right too, by offering up to 20% off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less kitchen and bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just forty nine cents a square foot for your next bath project. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through three six. See store for details. U.S. only. Lowe's knows you'll do it right and do it yourself to stay within budget when making updates to your bathroom. We do it right too by offering up to twenty percent off select toilets during the final days of our Refresh for Less Kitchen and Bath event. Step up your style even more with floor tiles starting at just 49 cents a square foot. For your next back project, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 3-6. See store for details, U.S. only. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.